And A, throughout all that, I mean, it really was in the dark um, and felt like I was falling, but everywhere I sort of flailed, um, I met yoga, like all the stuff I'd been practicing for years and the wisdom and the support networks and the communities and the teachers, but also I mean, my own inner strength and access to peace was all there, but I really, he was, I mean, it was really his teachings around death and dying that made the experience of my mom leaving her body so graceful. Welcome to A Curious Yogi Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby, and these are my conversations with sadhaks, satsangis, and other spiritual seekers. Join us as we discuss and discover what it means to live a spiritual life and walk the yogi's path. Each week you'll gain insights into your own practice as we share the stories and wisdom of those that walk the path with us. I'm so delighted you're here. Now let's get curious. A delight to welcome you back to the show and introduce you to this week's guest, Peter Elmis. Peter has been walking the yogi's path for close to 20 years as a student, practitioner, and teacher, and he has a deep passion for this powerful lifestyle. From his first experiences with asana, pranayama, and meditation, he knew that yoga would be his way. His main goal in life is to share his passion in this practice that has transformed him profoundly with as many people as he can. Peter considers the practices of yoga to be medicine and he is a stand for delivering the teachings and practices in a way that is personal and personalized. Peter is a wonderful storyteller and in this conversation he weaves us through his path of yoga in a way that is both sincere and generous. I hope you enjoy as much as I did. Yeah, I just want to start by welcoming you to the show, Peter. It's a real honor to have you here, so thank you for joining of course. Thank you, Bobby. It's an honor and a pleasure. Just before we press record, I was about to tell you how I first got connected with you, that my friends in India were like, oh, you're in Vancouver. It must have been like 2016 or 2017. They're like, you got to go to One Yoga. You're going to love this studio. You got to go to Peter's class. He gives the best hugs. I was like, okay, that's a good intro. And I just, I loved um, your energy, your teaching. I was it's so rare, I find, to connect with a yoga teacher in a studio setting that really, you can tell, lives and teaches yoga with such authenticity that you do. So I just want to start by appreciating you and welcoming you. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Bobby. Yeah, that's very sweet. I appreciate it. It's nice to hear. So I know that um, you've been practicing and teaching for quite a long time, and this um, this show is really to inspire people who are perhaps coming onto a spiritual path or who are on a path and just want to connect with others. So I love to just start by sharing how you came to this way. You, you describe it so beautifully as the way, and I love that. And were you always a seeker? Like, how did it get to this point? So I think, you I mean, there's a lot about sort of my, my personality, my constitution, um that has sort of set me up really well for for you know, I mean the seeking like you said um or the introspection or that sort of a broader view um so I, I think I'm naturally inclined towards um towards this work which helps a lot um and I, mean, I grew I grew up in um the Roman Catholic Church 
So I grew up going to, you mean until I was about 10 or 11, um, going to church every Sunday. I went to Catholic school all the way through high school, uh, public Catholic school in Ottawa. Um, and so I was introduced very early on to the idea of, you mean, God and divine and spirit um, and, you mean, a common source. Um, so so that was always really natural. Um had issues obviously with the with the institution of the Roman Catholic Church right? that that came up um, as I was coming through school. Um, so it, it, it wasn't, I mean, I wasn't really attached to it. It was really easy to sort of let that all that stuff fall away. Um, I was introduced in high school. We did a world religions course, um, which was really cool, and they introduced us to all these different traditions, which gave you me a sense of um, a bigger world, like a broader. Um, perspective maybe and also I mean, my father um, who I didn't grow up with it was Turkish so sort of there's a bit of an Islamic background there as well um, so coming coming up there was definitely a thread all the way through of, of, of spirit and divine and, and, and connection so um, and then again personality wise like I didn't and I didn't follow the path that most most followed. I didn't go to university right out of high school. Uh, didn't know what I wanted to study. Would have had to go into debt to to study something. Yeah, anyways, so after a sort of a year of flopping around in Ottawa, I started traveling. So I took off um, and spent the better part of the next ten years living out of a backpack uh, all over the world. And those first few years, other traditions were popping up. Like I was introduced to Buddhist meditation, uh, read a couple books and, and met a couple people on the path. I met a, a wonderful guy from France. I met him in Mexico uh, who showed me some Tai Chi work, which was really interesting, the energetic piece. Uh, so it, it kept popping up. And then I had a particularly sort of low point. I had my heart broken in Mexico City and retreated back to Ottawa and didn't really know what was next. And a friend of mine, an acquaintance, really, heard about my stories of Central America, and he wanted to buy land and develop something and spend you know, most of the year down there. So he asked if I would show him around. He said we can uh, take his VW bus he just refurbished and drive across Canada and down the West Coast to Mexico, and uh, he, I mean, he'd get the tour. I had no plans. Sounded like an awesome adventure. So I said, sure. And then he added that, uh, we were going to wake up every morning and practice yoga. He said, we're going to get, we're, we're going to be on the bus together every morning at 5.30 a.m. We're going to get up, we're going to do some yoga, we're going to meditate, and then get on with the day. And I'd never, I'd never even really considered yoga, to be honest. And, and again, I said, sure. And he said, okay, well, do, he had some work in his yard, he had to uh, redo his fence and dig a hole. And he said, if you do this work over the weekend, you can use my girlfriend's yoga studio for free. So you can get a little introduction to yoga before we leave in a couple months. And again, I was, I was game. So I did the work and went to my first yoga class with his partner named Sylvie Gouet. You can look her up. She's incredible. Um, and I walked in. I Leading up to this point, I, I call it my decade of decadence. Like I really had, I was doing it all. I was, I mean, partying and, you know, I mean, all the substances. I was a smoker. I'd smoke cigarettes for, I mean, since I was probably 14 and maybe I'm 23, 24 now. 
And so I went into the class a smoker. I had a half pack of cigarettes in my bag. And she taught us, it was a pretty standard vinyasa flow class. Maybe, maybe there's no music, so maybe not so standard anymore. Back before that was popular. Um, but ujjayi breathing and uh, sun salutations and, and dynamic movement and, and deep postures. But it was the breath that really, really hooked me. And I walked out of that class and threw half a pack of cigarettes away. Um, my desire, uh, my need to smoke was gone. And I haven't, this is close to 20 years ago, I haven't smoked since. Uh, so right away, it was, it was pretty powerful, right? 75 minutes and suddenly, you mean this horrible habit that, um, I, I mean, I was on the path, like lifelong smoker kind of thing was gone. Just like that, um, one of the easiest things I ever did. Wow. So there was, right? Yeah, so there was something there. And I, I mean, I know that doesn't work for everybody. Um, but it, it, it would help. I'm sure it would help. So hooked right away. Uh, we had a plan, a trip planned for a couple months later and, and over the, so I had access to the studio for free. Uh, so I was going every day, if not twice a day to do these wonderful practices with this amazing teacher, um, in a wonderful community in Ottawa. And pretty quickly, like the idea of ahimsa was introduced. And I'd been a lifelong meat eater. I'd probably had meat every day for I mean, my whole life. And it crossed my mind that, well, maybe maybe I don't have to. Maybe nothing has to die for me to um, be nourished. And so I gave it a shot. And after a month, I was fine. But, you know, I mean, there was no detriment to my health in any way. And actually, I felt great. So, you know, I mean, really powerful right away. Quit smoking, stopped eating meat. Um, found something that really spoke to me, like never mind those things, but um, everything about the practice uh, met me exactly where I was and, and really, really did nourish me as well. And then um, a few weeks after, I mean, after a couple months, I bumped into my friend on the street. He'd just come back from the Shivananda Ashram in Valmore, mm -hmm. um, which is a wonderful place. And I bumped into him on the street and he said, uh, do you want to go to India instead of Central America? And I said, sure. And so a month later we were in India. So uh, I just had the most powerful, uh, incredible experiences you can imagine um, in Rishikesh and, and down south a little bit as well. So my start to yoga was um, pretty powerful and uh, I mean, I have teachers that talk about the different types of students. Um, I really was kind of like gunpowder. Like I got that, that, that spark put to me and I kind of blew up. Wow. Yeah. There's so much there. That is, um, <laughs> it does seem so rare and unusual that one like comes into vinyasa practice at the studio and then they're quitting smoking and quitting meat. And because the lifestyle piece, I think for a lot of students comes quite a bit later or maybe for some people doesn't really come at all there's the you know because even just moving through the asana practice it is it feels so good on the body you don't need to really you know get so deep into it to feel the benefits but it sounds like yeah like you were that ember burning and then it was just like that poof and like you were gone I just said that there was there was so much like the the, the the set and the setting were perfect like I really was primed for it um, and even personality, um, life situation wise, like I wasn't, uh, I was traveling alone. 
And I had this pretty solitary, you know, I'm very social and, and enjoy good company and, and partied a lot. I mean, I had this and, and I'd done it all. Like I'd been around. And um, so I was ready. I was really ready. And I think that that happens for everybody at a different stage. Mm-hmm. And it might even be, like you said, like well after they start practicing asana or mm-hmm. going to the yoga studio. Mm-hmm. Well, they, you know, my teacher would say, you don't know how, how long, how many lifetimes you've been on this path, right? First, if you could be, could have turned to the Buddhism because who knows, you know, like it's, it's really so deep that we can never really even understand like why one path calls to one person and the another person doesn't even look twice. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Like it really is. Um, I mean, and you said, who knows, right? Like, who knows? Like we don't, I mean, some people, some beings maybe do know really mm-hmm. clearly. Um, but yeah, I think there's something in there. I definitely uh, came into this life uh, with the, with the tools and the, and the, again, the personality and the inclination towards this type of stuff. So mm-hmm. um and then when and then, and then and then you go forward like oh well, what's next like we're doing mm-hmm. all this work now yeah. does it carry on or do I have to go back and and have something you know a little rougher because not quite complete there right it's pretty exciting so what was your experience like in India like as you know someone maybe newer on the yoga path you're just like world traveler and then boom you're mm-hmm. in India I think even for anybody that's a world traveler being in India, especially as a spiritually inclined person, it's a totally different experience. Yeah. I mean, India is, I mean, you know, you, you, you live there, you have a home there. India is incredible, um, beautiful, powerful, also can be very loud and chaotic and um, disconcerting. Um, and yeah, luckily I, I had been traveling for a while. So I, mean, I had that whole shtick down pat, right? I knew how to get in and get out and, and set up. And so um, we landed in Delhi in the middle of the night and right away got ripped off by a taxi driver. Yeah, of you had that whole Delhi experience. It was, it was interesting, lovely man, um, but did what they do. And the next day we drove up to Rishikesh. So, I mean, I'm sure you know the trip from from Delhi north up into the foothills of the Himalayas to one of the holiest um, places in the in the world. And Rishikesh was incredible. We spent I don't know a couple months there, maybe that first trip, and right away ran into the most beautiful people. Um, other seekers and travelers and and locals and natives that their only interest was to was take care of you I mean there there's obviously all the elements but the people that we ran into really were just stoked that we were there in like so supportive Mm -hmm. and and so it was was easy we we ended up and we met this Portuguese guy who had an inn at the Divine Life Society and we hadn't written ahead of time to them to ask to stay there which you're supposed to do and they and he give you a spot or not. And he said, oh, don't worry about that. And he took us right to the, the head Swami. And we had an audience with him. And he said, yep, you, can, you guys can both stay. So we stayed. I mean, kind of yoga heaven, really. Uh, and then never mind the, the people that are there. Um, I met some of the most incredible beings um, that just glowed while we were there. So really powerful experience, right? Like a, um, the sort of perfect uh, Himalayan ashram experience. Mm-hmm. 
And then we did a retreat at a spot called Pool Chatty, which is further up um, the Ganges on the other side. And we're there. We did a, a sort of two week stay there. Yeah, so Rishikesh was super powerful. Mm-hmm. And and I bristle at using the words authentic and traditional, but I mean, it's maybe the best way to describe it. Um, and and just, I mean, chai on the corner at mm-hmm. 5 a.m. before a, a, a floaty asana class, like the asana classes we were doing with them, Swami Swarupananda um, with the Divine Life Society were magic mm-hmm. and, and really gave me a sense. My dad had asked me before I went, it's like, why are you going to India? Um, he didn't understand it. And I said, well, yeah, it's, it's the source of yoga. It's where yoga sprung from. Um, it's the seat of, of, of this tradition. Um, why wouldn't I go right to the source? And that's really the experience I had in Rishikesh. But it felt like I was um, at that wellspring mm-hmm. of this incredible tradition. Uh, so that was amazing. And then we went down to, to Goa from there which was beautiful. We went to Southern Goa. So we, we, I never actually went up north to the, in Arambal and um, those spots are in Juna, I guess, where all the parties are, the, the famous Goan parties. So we, we skipped that and went south to a much more peaceful Patnam, Palalam, uh, and which is I mean, comparable to any of the most beautiful beach spots in the world. And we were there for a couple months as well. And I, that's, I met a, a Reiki master in Goa, uh, which I mean, right away I was like, okay, I've got work here with this woman. Uh, so I ended up spending I mean, a good month studying with her that first visit. I went back and studied with her again years later or a couple years later and also met um, an older yogi uh, who went by Gopi uh, and he set up on the side of um, a family's house um, off just off the road in their dusty um, yard and Westerners would go to him every morning and he'd teach the most incredible asana classes. Um, so yeah, really powerful. And then went down south as well to Kerala um, and did a tour of a couple other ashrams in the Shivananda tradition. Yeah, India blew me away. Like if 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 um, my first couple months with Sylvie in Ottawa sort of opened me up and and primed me, like India stamped yoga on my heart like mm. deep 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 and uh it, i mean it's just been deepening since then so yeah really powerful experience um the first trip i was there about six months which is as long as the visa was and then i bounced and i uh, went back a year and maybe a year and a half close to two years later for another six months which was equally powerful i went back um to my reiki teacher and did sort of the level three training that they that we do wow. um and then went to another Shivananda ashram near Madurai and did uh, there two and a half months. And that's where I did my first teacher training um, with the Shivananda group with an incredible um, teacher named Swami Govindananda Saraswati. Mm-hmm. And this wonderful uh, Indian gentleman who'd um, taken sannyas, I mean, I see. I saw a picture that I don't know. I didn't ask. Him, I mean, 1920. So he'd spent like his whole adult life, and he was probably in his 50s or 60s, um, as a swami in the tradition, teaching and practicing, and um, was really, and still is, uh, a, a role model of of how to occur in the world 
very, very real, um, very present and, and, and had personality, but, but just so wise uh, and, and was a really good listener, which, which really made a deep impression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so were, really you, were you really drawn to the Shivananda style because of the, like you said, not don't want to say traditional, but so traditional and um, so set. And I know you've trained in Ashtanga as well, but so Shivananda really was sort of the foundation that guided your, your yoga path. Def- definitely, hundred um, percent. So Ottawa had a big Shivananda influence, being that close to Valmoray in Montreal, where Swami Vishnudevananda was. He was centered at the ashram. Um, so there was a lot of of, of students. Uh, there was a Shivananda center in Ottawa for the longest time as well, um, or a little school. And that group, at, at some point, I don't know the the genesis of it, but they met Richard Freeman. Um, who's an incredible uh, teacher, um, yogi in the Ashtanga Vinyasa tradition. I think everyone should spend time with Richard Freeman. Um, And so he sort of started to spread out in Ottawa a little bit. And and I think the Shivananda group kind of got mixed in with the Ashtanga stuff. So when I met them all, there was a really interesting mix of both. Uh, The gentleman who I who sort of introduced me to yoga. He spent a lot of time in the Shivananda tradition. And so, and then when we went to India, the first time we stayed at the Divine Life Society, which was started by Swami Shivananda, who had left his body by the time his student, Swami Vishnu Devananda, started Shivananda yoga in the West. And so that first experience with Swami Shivananda in the divine life, it was so powerful. Yeah, it really did. It, it made a deep impression. It felt, as I said, sort of real, authentic, and traditional, and there was some depth to it. Uh, I mean, you could feel it in the ground. And so, yeah, I don't those early years, I sort of went, because the, the, the Shivananda also, the Shivananda yoga also has a set sequence like the Ashtanga Vinyasa system does. So really easy to carry around with you. Like once you know the sequence, it's easy to do on your own. So I started doing that really early, uh, which also included sort of mixing them together a little bit on my own. But when it was time, the second trip to do a teacher training, like to do an immersion, uh, the Shivananda group was a no brainer. Uh, I'd met Swami Govindananda that first trip at one of the other um, Shivananda ashrams in Trivandrum, in the south of India. And I saw that he was leading this particular training. Uh, and so it was, it was really easy. But once I left India that time, and I went back to Ottawa for a bit, it pretty quickly shifted to back to Ashtanga and sort of a vinyasa approach which is I mean, again different. The Shivananda sequence does headstand and shoulder stand right away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it, 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 it's quite a bit different. Um, but there, and there's a lot of it that I really appreciate. Like five shavasanas, not just one. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so yeah, it, it, it was. It, I guess it kind of complement each other. I was always an athlete, uh, so in very good shape and very physical. So I like the dynamic jumping around. Uh, 
so that was that was probably what drew me to the Ashtanga Vinyasa stuff. Mm. It's interesting now, like you know, I love taking your classes because well, I mean, there is some jumping around, but it's a lot of long holds, and you you just the way you teach, I guess that comes with the mature the maturing of your own practice and your own deeper awareness, but how your your classes that you teach now, I'm sure compared to 20 years ago, they're it's like a meditative space that you create in your classes. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's been an evolution. Did you start teaching right away when you came back from India that second time? Or how has your teaching unfolded in the last 15, 20 years? Yeah, so that was, I mean, by the time I left India the second trip, with a with my 200 hour certificate uh, i guess i've been practicing for close to three years i guess yeah close to three years or four even and as i was doing like i i would travel i'd go out for a year and a half or two years and i'd go back to ottawa for sort of a summer uh and sort of regroup and, and take off somewhere else and the after that trip to the second trip to india I mean, I bounced around a little bit, but then ended back up in Ottawa. And Sylvie, who was my first teacher, had given up her space and and was doing other things. And I found uh, another great studio in Ottawa called Santosha Yoga. Uh, It was owned and and run by Dave Jewett, who was a a direct student of Richard Freeman's, uh, also had a, a Buddhist um, a really deep Buddhist practice was a really wonderful man. So he gave me a job on the front desk and I'd really, I really, I, I can't really get into my head back then. I don't know that I was like really looking to teach, but he called me one Sunday morning while I was on the desk and he was uh, 45 minutes away from supposed to, uh, he had class scheduled at 9am on Sunday morning and I was working the desk. I got there at, eight and set up and he called me about 8 15 and said hey I'm still at my cottage uh, and I'm my I think he had car trouble he's like I'm not going to make it back in time for class and he said you're going to have to teach <laughs> wow that just thrown into it right which which if and if you ask me now it's the best way to start teaching like just get thrown into the fire uh, and don't have too much time to think about it I had time to say, I, I'm wearing jeans. I don't have any clothes. He's like, okay, take a hundred dollars from the till. There's a Lululemon um, <laughs> down the street, like a, a, a few doors down. I, I never, I don't even know if I've ever been into Lululemon yet. And he said, go buy a pair of pants. That was my first pair of Lululemon pants. And the funny thing was, this was like his signature class. It was a two hour practice and it was yin, yin and ashtanga. <laughs> So, and it was super powerful. And these days people, I mean, they throw it the other way around. They sort of say yang and yin, and they start with with that sort of dynamic practice and then end with yin. He was doing it the other way. So you'd start with like a 45 minute yin practice. I mean, and we know the yin, in the yin classes, they're, they're long held, deep supported poses. Maybe in a practice you do five or six different shapes. Uh, and then, and then once, I mean, you wrap that practice up and then you stand up and you go right into the primary series. So your sun salutations and an abbreviated, um, primary sort of led primary class. Well, I had never taught an Ashtanga. I'd never taught the primary series. I'd never taught an Ashtanga Vinyasa class. 
um, I was trained in the Shivananda school and I, I, at this point had done a, you know, a, enough of the Ashtanga practice to know my way around, but certainly hadn't mastered it enough to teach it. And I'd never been, no, I'd been to one yin class, I think. So he gave me a list of the yin postures I was to do. I just do this, 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 and this, keep a minute for five minutes each, and there you go. And then, uh, and he said, just lead them through a, a sort of abbreviated Ashtanga practice. And he gave me a bit of a, a cheat sheet. And we had a, the sequence sheets as you do. If you have a mizer, you have mm -hmm. that little sequence. So I had that. Um, and we had the, the mantra as well, the invocation. And so I, I just kind of faked my way through it. I put them into the poses for the yin poses. And then I pulled out the, the, the Ashtanga sequence and was studying and then would tuck it away and changed them into the next pose and sort of did it that way and had my cheat sheet for the invocation and made my way through it. Um, and to this day, I think it might be one of the best classes I've ever taught. Wow. To be yeah, I felt, I, mean, I felt everyone, I mean, it's such a powerful practice um, and, and a great group of students um, who were coming every week. So they knew it and, and, and it was easy to guide them. And they all loved, like the feedback was incredible. I felt amazing. It again, made a really deep impression. And I mean, I can imagine that if it had gone, I mean, the opposite and it had been horrible that maybe I didn't, wouldn't have been as excited to keep teaching, but it went really well. And uh, it sort of took off. Dave, I mean, I told Dave how it went. He's like, great, you can teach. Um, here's a couple of classes. So I started teaching at Santosha pretty quickly after that and subbing and, uh, it was just a wonderful, really safe, um, mature space to, to cut my teeth teaching mm -hmm. yoga in. Um, so again, like really, I think, and, and I've come to this conclusion I mean, many times, I was I've really, you talk about sort of reincarnation and, and being, being ready for it. Everything about probably the first, 35 years of my life was really just such a blessing. You know, it wasn't easy I and mean, I had my struggles, but um, at least in this, in this thread, in this stream, uh, it came really, not easily, but uh, maybe easily. Yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It was open to me. The way was open to me. Right. And, and, and I had wonderful, wonderful people along the way, wonderful sort of gatekeepers and and uh, guides to sort of keep me going, give me exactly what I needed when I needed it. Mm -hmm. Well, that very naturally leads into my next question, which I'm like, is really thinking about you because you, Ram Das is such a huge part of your practice, even your teachings. Like I hear you quote him. I hear you talk about him. Um, and I just want to hear about you, that experience of connecting with him as your teacher and that part of your life that brought you to his work and his, his path really. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. We, I mean, we mentioned before we started recording, uh, I said, we have, I've done a few of these podcasts. It's interesting to see what comes out. And I mean, in some introductions, I forget to talk about the fact that I have a family and a wife and two kids and we sort of don't get to that. And there was one conversation where we didn't quite get to Ramdas. Um, and so I was like, oh, I really should have 
So uh, thank you for asking the question. Yeah, no, I'm um, all for the guru. I'm like, yes, I love yeah. hearing the story of uh, people that have found a guru or connected with their guru or their guru has come to them because it's for me in my own life, it's so powerful. So I love to hear it expressed from others. Cool. Okay, great. Uh, so same time I started practicing yoga, that same little period in the same, I mean, I should give him a name. Uh, name is Brian, um, the, the, the teacher, he, he did teach yoga. Um, that brought me to the practice and the path. Uh, so Brian, at the same time that we were sort of getting ready for a trip, handed me "Be Here Now." Um, I, mean, I, I don't, I don't know what you're gonna do with the video of this call, but I mean, behind me, there's two copies of it. I always have one, um, and so he handed me a, a, a copy of "Be Here Now," which was Ramdas's first book, and I'm sure you've you've had it in your hands. It's pretty incredible. So, I mean, the first third of the book is his story, uh, which is, there's a lot of his, his experience and, and, and his life that resonated with me. Um, and so he tells the stories of, of the, the experiments with LSD at Harvard um, with Tim Leary, Timothy Leary, and how they were both kicked out of Harvard and this is what led him to, I mean, the experiences that they had with these substances, psilocybin, LSD, and, um, and all the other things as well, I'm sure. He encountered um, a state of consciousness. Um, he encountered truth and, and, and had experiences that, I mean, anyone who's, use these medicines, these substances, um, and had a good experience because they're not at all favorable. Um, we'll know what he means or what, what I mean when we say like, just the, the experience of, of those altered states, different levels of consciousness, um, different ways of seeing and being um, that open you up to the idea or the, the experience that there's more going on here than what the five senses are picking up. Uh, and when he sort of left academia, when he was kicked out, he, I mean, he kind of realized that he went from, from doing the experiments to being the experiment. Um, and he really wanted to find out what this experience was. Like, this is real, it's recreatable um, and powerful. This isn't new. These are old plants, old medicines. Somebody in the world must know what this is, like what I'm experiencing and, and um, can explain it to me. So he went looking for that. Um, so that sort of that part of the story was interesting, like a, a Westerner, quite an intelligent, um, considerate person from a religious background. His family was Jewish. Um, going off and looking. I mean, so, so he's, he's got this really relatable experience, I think. Um, and he ended up in India, like I did, and had these incredible experiences, M met his guru, um, Maharaji, named Karoli Baba. Uh, so the first third of the book tells that story. And super, I mean, fascinating, relatable, really powerful. Um, and then the middle of the book is this incredible stream of 
love and truth and beauty and um, wisdom. And it was just fun to be with. Like I, I, I want to, I mean, I want to open it up and, and, and flip through it for you. Uh, and so that was, and in the back of the book was his cookbook um, for, for spirituality and gave all the practices a really wonderful, like one of the best um, guides to yoga practice out there really that I think he doesn't get credit for. Um, but yeah, so the, the, that, that, that book was, it. that was my companion on my first trip to India. So it was, it, it, it hit deep and it showed up at a time again, when I'd been blown open and it could really like land really deep. So I do think that was a, a gift and a blessing and led me to, to pick up his other books. Right. So I, I, I devoured um, what he was putting out and I mean, spend five minutes listening to him and and you can't help but sort of fall in love. And I think it'd be really difficult not to. I certainly did. So it was very accessible, um, even though I'd never met him. By the time I discovered him, he'd already had his stroke. Um, so he had a stroke in the late 90s, I guess, and eventually ended up um, in Maui. So he had a, he had a home and a, a space in Maui. So I didn't, never met him in person um, or hadn't yet. I mean, I'm from the East Coast. I, never, I even, Hawaii wasn't even on my map, I don't think, um, being from where I was. And a lot of his teachings were around um, death and leaving the body. And he did a lot of work in hospice um, and related those stories quite a bit. And then had his own encounter with his mortality, um, having the stroke or being stroked, as he liked to say. <laughs> and so it taught me a lot about the nature of life what it's all about and through his teachings his experiences and what he shared I was very well established in the idea that I mean everything that's born um dies right we have these beautiful cycles of of life and they're everywhere in nature right um and so I had a sort of I mean that went through a dark night right of my soul kind of thing I had a couple of years that were really difficult and this is probably 2016, 2017. And so I had some personal, some personal health stuff, um, which was new to me. I'd always been so healthy. And then some mental health things that were sort of related and that was really hard and really heavy. And for the first time, like stress and anxiety and which was foreign. And then my mom got sick and, and, and left her body seven weeks later. And the same day my mom went to the hospital, my dad got a terminal um, cancer diagnosis and he left his body a year later. And my brother went through some really like heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. And A, throughout all that, I mean, it really was in the dark um, and felt like I was falling, but everywhere I sort of flailed, um, I met yoga, like all the stuff I've been practicing for years and the wisdom and the support networks and the communities and the teachers, but also I mean, my own inner strength and access to peace was all there. But I really, he was, I mean, it was really his teachings 
around death and dying that made the experience of my mom leaving her body so graceful. Like um, we're in North Vancouver, she had moved to Kelowna from Ottawa. Um, and even though she moved to Kelowna, which isn't that far, um, I didn't see her a lot. But um, she went to the hospital and there was no one there. We didn't have family in Kelowna. So the next day I went to Kelowna and she left her body seven weeks later. I spent six out of the seven weeks with her um, by her bed and had this wonderful, graceful, beautiful experience, um, which is also a credit to her. She was super graceful. Um, but I really did credit Ramdas with that. And right, that was in the spring, early in the spring. And my wife, Cecily, is wonderful, super supportive. And she encouraged me that summer to go and do um, an intensive with one of our teachers, Eddie Modestini, in Maui at Maya Yoga. And if anyone gets a chance to practice with Eddie Modestini or his partner, Kristen Bostils, or um, Nikki Doan, Maya Yoga in Maui, it's, it's heaven. Um, second best maybe to Rishikesh. So I went and did this intensive with Eddie and Kristen in Maui. And a few, it hadn't occurred to me. And after a couple of days, it sort of dawned on me. I'm like, Eddie's been here for 30 years. He knows everybody. He's got to know. He's got to know where Ramdas is. Like how to, like there's got to be a connection there. So I asked him and he was pretty sly about it. He sort of said, well, I'm, I might, yeah, I might know someone. I'll um, I'll give him a call, and it, it sort of played it <laughs> off. You know, it played it off as as like left me with the thought, like, oh, he might not call. Like, it might not be a thing. But he said, oh, here's here's um, he gave me a phone number. He said, call this number, and um, and this woman might might be able to direct you. So I called the number and had this call, which I did. I mean, what I what I realized pretty quickly was that there's some gate, there were gatekeepers, right? Around Ramdas um, that sort of, you had to pass through to sort of, at this point at least. And so the, the woman he connected me to, um, her name was Jillian and was actually Ramdas's chef. So she, she was in his home like four or five days a week um, and lived I mean, close by. And we had a lovely conversation. She actually knew she was from North Vancouver um, she was connected to Ryan Lear as well and loved one yoga. Um, so we hit it off right away. And she said, yeah, well, uh, you can, this Sunday, a few days away, um, it was Guru Purnima, which hadn't dawned on me either, which is the day, a traditional day um, where, where you honor your teacher, your guru, um, celebrated everywhere in India uh, and all over the world. Um, and he said, well, there's, um, there's a, a satsang at, in Ramdas's home on Guru Purnima and you're welcome to come. So Sunday, you know, I showed up, I was the first one there and I got his address, uh, went to his home, uh, which is, you can go to now, like he's since left his body and they've, they've turned it into a, a, a temple, a shrine and you can go um, and, and they hold, I think they hold satsangs there still, but it was sort of a community satsang. So the neighborhood started showing up. There's probably 30 or 40 people in the room um musicians and they rolled Ramdas in and it's funny like I I was I was playing it cool and I was up front and he sort of came in the back and I had my phone with me as you do and I sort of had it down low and turned sideways and took it tried to take a sneaky photograph um of Ramdas 
And I, I thought I'd accomplished it. And then I looked at the photo later and I have it. Um, he's looking right in the camera. So I was like, I was totally busted. It was funny. And then I had the most wonderful sort of kirtan experience. And what was really cool was that uh, it was Guru Purnima. So it wasn't about Ram Das, It was about Neem Kroli Baba. It was about, my, it was about his guru, which I thought was pretty pretty beautiful and, 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 and real humble too, from where he was sitting. Um, Krishna Das, his old buddy, they played a track um, halfway through. The musicians were there, but for the Hanuman Chalisa, they played a Krishna Das track. And you saw, like, as soon as his, the voice came on, you saw Ram Das sort of light up, which was really beautiful to, to be a part of. And spent a few hours there. And it came to a close at RT and everyone started filing out. And, and a lot of people sort of filed past Ramdas um, to say hi and pay their, you know, I mean, respects and have a quick I mean, word or two. And I lingered and I, I, I went to the back, like I kept going to the back of the line and sort of waited until um, everyone had left. And by the time I got to him, uh, there was really just his, 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 care team and his assistant and the chef and one other gentleman um, there. And I pulled up a chair beside him and we actually had, I mean, a good 45 minutes. I mean, I don't know, time, time was funny. And there's a good chance it was like 30 seconds, but <laughs> I mean, we had a long conversation, probably about 45 minutes. Um, and it was right when I needed it, right? The, probably the, could have, should have been, I mean, the lowest point of my life. Like I'd lost my mom and I was about to lose my dad and all these other things were going on. Um, and I mean, I ended up in his living room. Wow. Yeah, having a chat with a, what seemed like an old, like he just, it was just, he was just a normal dude, just like a sweet old friend. And we just sat there and had the most natural, easy conversation um, yeah, and it, it was, yeah, it was a big part of my healing. Wow. And so another piece, right? Like it just, when you're on the path and you're doing the work and you're earnest and, um, open that these things come when mm -hmm. you need that was sort of what, I don't know if I would have called him my guru before that, but he was, and I might've thought it, but I, I, I wasn't saying it, but from that experience on, it's just been um, so clear. Yeah, pretty auspicious to meet him on that a very auspicious day, one of the most auspicious days in like all of Hindu culture. So that's really powerful. Yeah. And a word that struck me like from you just explaining that whole situation is like the humbleness of Ram Das and how a true teacher mm -hmm. is humble. It's like one of the signs the seeker can recognize in their teacher to know that there's the sincerity there and um even you sharing your whole story of the journey i've also heard in the vedic scriptures where they say we take one step towards guru or enlightenment or you know and guru or that space takes a thousand steps towards us so it appears that you know like know we're working and we're churning and we're doing it but like you said like the gatekeepers were there the doors were opening and that is 
guru that's coming towards you. It's really powerful to like see it in real time, real time, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is incredible and, and, and inspiring. And, and I mean, it inspired me. And I mean, his teachings resonate. I mean, because of that, like he it really is a wonderful example of humility. And um, I mean, he's so devoted to his guru. Um, and his life became a service um, to, you mean, to his guru. Like he really did exactly what his guru told him to do um, with all of his heart uh, and became the experiment and shared himself so freely and so openly and so prolifically that um, it's hard not to be, I mean, he, he had a shtick, like he was good. He was good with people. He was a lecturer. Like he, in front of a room, um, he um, really know, knew how to connect um, and entertain as well as enlighten, which is, which is rare, right? To find that sort of combination. I mean, with the humility mixed in. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to share a story I thought you'd like, but that when I first got connected with Ram Dass or heard of Ram Dass, I was in Rishikesh at the International Yoga Festival there. And I was taking a class from this amazing woman from New York. Her name's Dana Trixie Lynn. She's just like totally free and amazing. And she, yeah. she's, you know her? Oh, she's just one of a kind. Yeah. And she read, like, she's, didn't read it she spoke this I thought it was a poem or something and she said I'm gonna read the words and you're gonna smile the freer I get the higher I go the higher I go the more I see the more I see the less I know the less I know the more I'm free and I was like what is that and after like I was googling it and I'm like that's Ram Das, and that's when I got the book here and now and yeah he's just I love how much of an impact he's had on you and your teaching because he's he is prolific it's pretty amazing yeah yeah mm -hmm. and and there's so much like you hear those kind of quotes and there's so many um things in our in our in our communities like the, the yoga the spiritual western communities especially and and you a lot of it is from Ramdas. We don't, we don't even know, like it, 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 a few times removed and maybe the, I mean, who it's from mm -hmm. or it's mixed into so many of our teachers to lexicon. Like it just sort of comes out so naturally because I mean, they, they, they spent time with them as well. Um, so he really is very uh, present and available uh, in, in, in all these schools. Mm -hmm. it's really cool yeah, yeah almost every like most, most of the schools I go to have have a, a, some kind of Ramdas story but I love that that you because that kind of leads me to the next point that I wanted to talk with you about and that's kind of like the how you know when we think of one who is seeking or suffering or going through life which can be challenging I know for me my spiritual practice and my spiritual community is a solace to that and and when we think of perhaps guiding or advising people who are coming onto this path or who are on this path, like I love that you just said about Ram Dass, he is available and accessible. Like you don't need to go to India now to find a guru in the Himalayas. You can find your a teaching in here and be here now, like how it is so accessible. So I just wanted you to touch on 
why do you think it's important for people or seekers or curious yogis to step onto this path? Well, I mean, to use I mean, your word, right? There's, there's a lot of suffering, right? Everyone's suffering. I, I, I teach to a, to a group and it doesn't matter how big the group is. It's like, who, who's suffering something now? And it's like, everyone, everyone's hand goes up. And we all are, and even if we're not conscious of it or we don't use that, that sort of word, I mean, that was the main teaching of, of Buddha, right? Is... Um, everything's, I mean, life is suffering. It's, it's the nature of life. So to get some relief from that suffering is a great reason, right? To step onto it. And I do, I mean, the depth, at least this tradition, and, and it's not the only one, um, but it's comprehensive and complete. So whatever is ailing you, there is something here, uh, I mean, at least something here uh, that will meet you where you are and, and help you through it, right? Um, so anyone who's suffering, which is everyone, um, can have access to it. Like it's available to everyone. It's not, um, I mean, there have been periods where maybe it was ex exclusive or exclusionary or, um, but, it really is um, for every everyone. So why, yeah, why the importance of it? I think those 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 big questions, right? Like the who am I? Why am I here? What's this all about? Are big, and everyone goes through those in their lifetime. And through these practices and this tradition, we can get clear enough uh, and deep enough and high enough to to see the end, experience the, the truth, right? I don't know, who doesn't want, who doesn't want truth? Mm -hmm. Some people don't, but it's, I mean, I really, I think it's important. Mm -hmm. Even just a little piece, like if it's just deep breathing once a week, makes you feel better for a few hours and give you a bit of a, a break, then great. And then from there, I mean, your wildest dreams, are like I've seen wildest dreams. So, I mean, it's up to, I mean, it's up to the individual, obviously, but mm -hmm. I'd highly recommend it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've seen thousands probably now of students at this point go through your classes and through the doors of the various studios and, you know, through all these years. What do you think it is that, like, maybe not stops, but blocks people from going deeper and higher than just the asana? in this you know we're in this we are sort of torch holders in the western yoga world and mm -hmm. it's inspiring in a lot of ways because it is so big and popular now but i also have to question sometimes like what is it that's stopping the western new yogi or someone coming into the studio space from actually going towards the truth of yoga which is so much deeper than the asana yeah, I mean, a, a great question and, and, and an important one, and one we could probably talk about for hours. I think uh, one of the main factors that keeps people from the depths of yoga is the speed of our society and culture, right? And 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 the demands put on people, and um, and and the culture itself, which is, I mean, 
uh, at, at sh not shallow, but very surface, right? Um, very much about appearances and, and perception, um, superficially at least, um, physical culture. Um, so, so there's that, like there just isn't the space to devote and, and not everyone can drop out. I don't think everyone should drop out. Uh, so that that's part of it. And also, I think from, and you know, and I think you alluded to it earlier, you can get a pretty powerful rub from a 60, 75 minute vinyasa practice uh, that um, feels amazing. And if you don't know that there's more, or if you don't have time or space for more than, I mean, for a lot of people, it's plenty, right? It meets them where they are and, 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 and with what they're sort of equipped to, to handle. Um, my teacher, Swami Govindananda, was often asked about sort of Bikram yoga and hot yoga. And he said, well, whatever brings people to yoga, right, is okay. Like it's, you know, I mean, there's, again, sort of gatekeepers and, and there's a, always going to be that surface level marketplace kind of stuff. Um, that feeds a, a, a need um, and gets people in the door, maybe. And hopefully, uh, as people open up, their life opens up and they can drop a bit deeper and get turned on to, to, to the richness of the tradition. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of factors that keep people from more than just the asana. Uh, also, maybe sort of the way it's being taught like I think again, a few factors probably went into it, but uh, suddenly you have a you go to this gym model, like the '80s aerobics, big space, um, sort of swallowed up the the yoga practices that first came over in the '80s, probably, and you sort of married the two. Uh, so you have these big spaces in these prime spots with high overheads, right, and business people running them. So how do you pay the overhead? How do you make money? Well, you run these teacher training programs, which grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. And, and we could rant about teacher training programs too. <laughs> um, but it produced a lot of people with, um, without the depth of experience or understanding to take people beyond asana. Like there's a, I mean, I've met a lot of teachers that were incredible and taught a great vinyasa practice that didn't know much beyond that. So obviously couldn't, couldn't take people there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you said it gets people in the door and it got you in the door and it also got me in the door. So it's, you yeah. know, not I'm not mad about it. it. Yeah. Not mad about it. It is just, I guess, a, a good thing to keep, you know, contemplating as well as we, we keep doing the work ourselves, you know, where's, where's the, 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 the friction that, that we need for growth and for um, evolution and, uh, I mean, it used to be hard to find, right? Yoga wasn't on every corner. It wasn't so easy. So you had to work to find it. Well, now it seemingly is on every corner, but you have to wade through a lot of stuff to, to, to really get to, I mean, the heart of it. So it creates that struggle, which I think is important and kind of filters out the people that aren't right for it, which is great as well. And someday they find, I mean, a Ram Dass, on a tropical island and and, mm -hmm. uh, and they've earned it a little bit maybe mm -hmm. or are ready for it they've been prepared right it's it's we know that to sit, like the energy it takes to sit even for a, a real pranayama practice never mind concentration and meditation and samadhi the body has to be trained 
doesn't have to be, but it, it certainly helps if the body is strong and clear and light. So mm -hmm. right. not a bad place to start. Right. And also then I guess it goes to, to show the value or the importance just to, you know, as you do, I'm sure as your beautiful wife, Cicely does that you, you live in a way that's inspiring to others and people see you and connect with you and, and can take inspiration from that. Well, I see Peter has some kind of inner peace that he's cultivated. How is he doing that? Okay. And then people get curious that way. And that is actually a perfect transition for me to ask about your course that's coming up in November, the living yoga, which it's pretty suited to this conversation. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. For bringing that piece in um, because it lets me talk about one yoga um, and Ryan Lear as well. Um, so uh, Ryan Lear is pretty, pretty special being and uh, many of uh, people listening probably know of him or have practiced with him. Um, and if they have, then they love him. And uh, so I met him years ago now and saw someone ahead of me, at the, ahead of me on the path who'd created um, a, a really wonderful vehicle vessel um, in this stream for community um, in one yoga. And instead of, I mean, I have no interest in rewriting the, the script or, or you know, creating, doing all that work or centering myself. So it was really easy to drift in behind what he was doing and learn from him. And through him, what attracted me to him was his connection to his teachers. Um, and so I got introduced to I mean, half my teachers through him. And he created an incredible program. Uh, I really liked the way he broke up the, you know, in the standard 200 hour yoga teacher training. Um, he put it level one and level two. Uh, level one was living yoga and level two is giving yoga. Um, so I appreciate when things rhyme to start with. <laughs> yeah. And, Ryan's got a lot of good rhymes. <laughs> yeah, no, he's good. He's clever. Um, <laughs> So, and, and, and which is great because a, a big part, and you'll hear him say it a lot, like um, if you want to teach yoga, you got to, you got to practice yoga. You got to live yoga. You got to be a yogi. It's like be a yogi to the best of your ability. It's, it's not easy. Like I, I stopped calling myself a yogi because I mean, the bar, if you, if you look at it, it's really high. Um, so I mean, it's not easy, especially as a householder. Um, to live up to all that but be a yogi and so the first hundred hours of this training is living yoga it's how to be a yogi how to um it, it's the 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 framework and, and the practices and the, the history and the foundation um that gets the student into a, a, a personal experience of of yoga Right. I just taught one in the summer. Um, I've done a couple with him. Um, I, I led through my first. He came in. He's a guest, um, and, and he'll come in in the one we have in November as well, um, and teach a little bit. But um, we don't talk about pedagogy. Um, the I mean, the anatomy is really personal. Like we don't sort of. It's not broad. It's sort of like, okay, well, who's in the room and what's going on in your body, and we sort of do anatomy that way. Um, and it's a lot of practice. And um, it's a really powerful experience. Like I've, I've taken the training. Um, I assisted in the training a couple of times and then I've, I led it with him and then on my own. 
right? So I, I bristle at calling it a teacher training. I like to call it a, a yoga training. So the living yoga is a yoga training. And yeah, I'm really excited about it. I'm not, I don't get excited about stuff. I am very happy that it's happening mm -hmm. and it's, it's my happy place, like being in that environment. And I know through feedback that I, I come alive, right? It's, it, it, it's, it's a place that I, you know, I mean, I, I can really yeah, lay it all out. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, you, you've done, you've been in these types of environments, right? Yeah, well, it sounds amazing. It sounds super wonderful. Like everything we've been saying in this conversation, just to have that offering and that available to people in Vancouver and hybrid from wherever to just stay connected to the teachings to the student shift mm -hmm. that isn't so important mm -hmm. as the yo as we know to be a yogi or to aspire we have to stay as a student so I think it's such a beautiful yeah. offering and you have such a power crew with you with the one yoga family and I love that and where can people find out about that yeah thank you um so ryan blessed us with the one yoga name uh, we we uh turned before covid we turned our two-car garage into a little yoga school. oh that's your garage in there yeah, I'm like, I mean, what, I'm like, what used to be my garage i'm sure everybody's wondering like where are people's studios like i thought you guys maybe had an attic or something no garage. this is so we had a two-car garage that was you know, i mean i i knew years ago that i was going to do this um, and a separate entrance and a back hall that has a washroom and, and, and space. Um, and, and so that is no longer, it's, you know, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's my sacred place. Um, and I can fit like 10 mats in here. And luckily we had it um, set up for sort of live, a, a broadcast studio for the online yoga we've been doing with the lockdowns, um, which was, I mean, a, another amazing blessing. Um, just my life situation. So we've got um, this space, we call it One Yoga North Van, where we are. And um, Ryan gave us the name. So One Yoga North Van, you can find um, oneyoganorthvan.ca um, or uh, so it's our website or One Yoga North Van on Instagram. And I mean, the links are all there. Uh, we teach virtually from here. Um, my wife teaches as well, Cecily. She's she's involved in the training. She's behind the scenes a lot, but also um, comes in and leads really powerful work. Um, so I'm very blessed um, to have that kind of partner. Um, so we both teach virtually from here a few times a week. So you can you can get into those classes, and we do in person stuff as well. If you if you live around here, so you can message us about those. But yeah, the training. Um, we were going to start the first weekend in November, but we're going to Seattle to see Trevor Hall. Oh, instead. amazing. And you love Trevor Hall so much. Uh, he's my guy. Yeah. You're like a the shirt. Trevor yeah, Hall number guy. one fan. Yeah, I think so. Maybe. <laughs> and he wasn't on his tour. He wasn't coming to Canada and he always comes to Vancouver. So we looked and, and he's doing Seattle. So we, we we're making a run to Seattle for it. But then the next night, East Forest is doing um, one of his rituals in Vancouver um, using his album with Ramdas. Oh, so whoa. Friday night, yeah, Friday night we got Trevor Hall. Saturday night, this East Forest ritual with Ramdas. Um, and then the training will start the next weekend. So I will be as high as possible. Yeah, you'll be like. Um, yeah, and there's space. Um, we'll be practicing a lot. You can join in person or online. Um, and yeah, any questions? I really, I, I, want every, I want everyone to get this. 
Like I really, um, I mean, you can feel, you just, you don't have to look far to see the suffering in the world and the impact that people that are suffering are having on the world. Like it's just compounding. And um, if we can just get this, these medicines to mm-hmm. more and more and more people. So I'm stoked to help people find ways to get it, whether it's scholarships or I mean, make up a weekend because you got to miss it, whatever. Beautiful. Well, yeah. Beautiful. That's a great segue into our last my last inquiry to you is can you leave the listeners with any words of wisdom any revelations that you've come up in your path in your years of yoga practicing teaching the whole thing like what few simple words would you leave us with yeah you told me you're gonna ask me this and (laughs) I had clever answers in my head already uh I want to find a way to quote Ram Dass. And there's so much of what he offered that um, I think is simple. I think what, what you said, the prayer you said earlier was really beautiful. Um, something I heard this morning, and we know that the, the poet Young Pueblo, we've seen him online. Um, and they said, uh, don't stop. They said like so many other people are out there doing wonderful things and, and, and they stop. And, and he just, and, and they just didn't stop. Uh, so maybe like get started, like get started and then don't stop. Whatever it is, like it doesn't have to be your whole life. It just, just, just get into it. Um, look for it because it's all around us constantly. It's in us. Um, and when you get, when, when you get a, when you get hold of that thread, one of those threads, yeah, just hang on because it will, you mean you're like you said earlier right one step to the guru guru takes a thousand steps to you like it will it will come rushing in when you need it so yeah get started don't stop um and let's just keep reaching for the truth together beautiful thank you so much peter it's been such an honor to spend a solid hour with you and i just always appreciate your space and your love that you exude it's just even from virtually it resonates and i really am honored to have you on the show awesome bobby thank you so much it really was a pleasure and an honor thank you thanks for listening to this episode of a curious yogi podcast if you enjoyed what you heard please leave a review on itunes it really really helps the show reach more people or share on social And of course, follow on your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss an episode. I appreciate the love and I appreciate you. Let's stay curious, connected, and keep walking the yogi's path together. In oneness and delight, this is Bobby signing off until next time.